Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. First of all, if you were here at the beginning of the service, uh, you, uh, you heard Gwen share this. Last week, we sent an awesome team down to the Boulder Creek Festival. been doing it for the last eight years. Uh, they set up a tent down there. And essentially, in all the, the hubbub and all the hula baloo going on down in Boulder, um, as people are walking by, they just simply have a tent where people can come in. And, and what they say is, come in and you'll have an encounter with, with the Lord. You'll have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so they come in. And essentially, as people come in kind of curious, not really sure what to expect, um, uh, our team was down there praying with people, asking God for words of encouragement. And there's some awesome things to know. First of all, uh, unprecedented uh, from any other year, 587 people came through the tent this year. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, a couple of cool things to note. Uh, as the team were praying for some of the people there, uh, they would get impressions, they'd get words from the Lord. We call those words of knowledge. Uh, they'd be praying for somebody, and, and then he'd be praying, and they'd be like, man, I feel like God's saying something like you have like, I just see pilot wings on your chest. And then the person would be like, oh, that's funny because I'm a pilot, right? Just something like that. A lot of really accurate just pictures, impressions, words of knowledge that were going out. Uh, there was a young man who was healed of several years of pain due to a surgery on his left lung. He came back the next day to let the team know he was healed. He was able to do movements that he hadn't been able to do for a long time. And he was just so grateful to Jesus for healing. Awesome, huh? And it's just all the stories of people coming in. They don't even really know what's happening or, or what's going on. They just feel the sense of love. You guys know that God is love, okay? God is love. The essence of love is God. And uh, we're just thankful today that even just gathering, as we're singing, some of you here today, just being in his presence with the people of God, you just feel a sense of, of love. And that's exactly what it's about. Jesus is drawing people to himself, Amen. All right, another cool story. You guys will like this. Feel free to tell me you like it too, all right? Just want to throw that out there. First service left me alone, all right? I was getting nervous. I was like, man, I... Okay. Carol Canale, who oversees Rwanda Village Makeover, uh, it's a project we do. We've been doing for several years where uh, we've been sending teams to Rwanda and we've been developing and organizing some efforts there to go to a rural village named Chinica and just be a blessing, bring good news in very practical ways, focusing on roofing for widows, um, education for orphans, and just some basic uh, community structuring. Uh, the team just left this week. Now, they're going there right now. They're, 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 uh, the village just came together. When they met these ladies, they had no homes at all. They're building Homes are being built for five women, and we're building five roofs to go on those homes that are just efficient, not leaky. Five women are going to be in solid homes uh, very soon here. So that's the first thing to celebrate. The second thing is this, and this is cool. Village Makeover uh, just partnered with an organization called uh, Engineers Without Borders. Uh, I believe that they're a, a local organization, they go to countries all around the world and do some of this just structural things, transit systems, uh, clean water, uh, septic systems. So just this last week, uh, Engineers Without Borders 
came on to support Village Maker, a, a five, kind of a five-year agreement. Over the next five years, they're going to be uh, laying water lines, uh, a central water tap, and septic systems, and it's going to provide clean water, forget this, over 20,000 people in the next few years. <laughs> and so there's this town, this is village in Rwanda that's just getting hammered with good news, all right? And uh, that's what we like. Um, we are a people of good news. Uh, let me just read you a few scriptures here just to kind of get us moving. Proverbs 15.30 says this, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Yeah? Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Isaiah 52.7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings, what is it? Good news. Who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And I've just been struck with this idea, and we're just going to kind of land on an idea this morning. If you remember nothing else, just remember that in Christ, we are called to be a people of good news. We're carriers of good news. Now, if you're a visitor here, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're not a Christian here, that might be new information to you because a lot of the, the messages that you've heard from Christians outside of here has been pretty bad news, all right? For some reason, Christians have been known, uh, uh, especially in our country, uh, to really go around and point out what's broken and point out what's not working, point out how sinful or how separated people are from, from God. My experience is, uh, with people I know, I don't know if there's a single human being that doesn't see that something is broken and not working in our world. Our call as the people of God is to be carriers of the good news. Yeah? Come on. We are people of good news. Somebody say amen. I think one of our greatest challenges, I would say this, and this is kind of what gets me lit up today. One of our greatest challenges is to keep our minds and hearts in a place where we're just constantly aware of what is good. Now, we live in unprecedented times. Uh, we have access to more information than any other generation that's ever walked this planet, right? Um, we can turn on the news and, and just be bombarded with what is happening, news of all sorts happening from all around the world, all across the region, and obviously all the news in our own lives that are happening. Now, it's unprecedented because uh, they say that one week's worth of the New York Times newspaper has more information in it than a person in the 18th century would likely encounter in their entire life. Okay? Now, we could say, um, on one hand, uh, wow, it's awesome that we have all this information, that we know what's going on, and, and we can help, and we can be a part. Yeah, but I think you would agree, sometimes when you're that overloaded with certain types of news, it can end up feeling paralyzing. You end up feeling not sure what to do. It's just a crazy idea that all of us, at any given point, almost immediately, you know of every tornado, every shooting, every bombing, every death, every building collapse, every war, every conflict, every election, every stock market decline. You know of a lot of things happening, not just here, but every part of the world. And that is being fed to you constantly. And not only do we have just information of all sorts, but I would say if you're receiving your information from major 
media outlets, there's a really good chance that most of it's bad news. And I don't have time to get into it, but part of it is because what the media knows that some of us don't know is the easiest emotion to market to is fear. Because they know people are afraid. So if they can report on things, it keeps you watching, all right? Um, you have to understand this, all right? You have, to, you have to get this. You have to let this sink in. And here's what I'm convinced about. Uh, if we are going to be a people of good news, our lives have to be permeated with the knowledge of God's goodness. And I would opine that we have to work a lot harder in our generation to keep our heads and our hearts in a place of this awareness. We have to work a lot harder to stay aware of the fact that God is good and that he is up to good work on this planet. We have to work harder to stay into a place of awareness. Right now, with all the things going on, it can leave us, again, it can leave us sometimes feeling paralyzed, knowing like, oh man, what should I do? Which leaves us sometimes waking up in the morning asking the question, Great, what's going to fall apart today? What's going to go wrong in my life today? What's going to go wrong in the world today? I'm just waiting for the next piece of bad news. But if we're a people of good news, if that's something he's commissioned us to do and anointed us to do, then the question that should be getting us out of the bed is, God, what are you up to today? What are you wanting to restore? What are you wanting to rebuild? How can we be a part of every good thing that you're doing in this day on this planet? Yeah? It's the goodness of God. One of our foundations here is the premise. This, this is what gets us in the room every week, right? This is what gets you singing and acting all crazy and, and the flags and the whole deal is the fact that God is good. We would not be here if God was not good. If God is not good, we have no reason to worship him, okay? God is a good God all the time. That's what I'm talking about. See, you don't do those things unless God is good and it just wells up inside of you. Just start shouting out crazy things that you wouldn't do in any other scenario, right? Love it. And here's kind of what I've been thinking about. Um, I think an important habit for all of us is people that are learning to live like Jesus, learning to live the kingdom life, is you have to get used to taking from time to time developing the habit of thinking about what you think about. You need to think about what you're talking about. You need to think about what kind of information your life is sending to the people you live with, to the people you work with, to the people in your family. Is your life proclaiming good news? What kind of news is your life proclaiming? You got to think about what's going through your mind. Think about what comes out. I wouldn't suggest doing that all the time because that might make you go a little nuts. But from time to time, you need to think about what you think about. And the idea is we have to be, as people, tethered and anchored into the goodness of God. We have to be tethered and anchored there. If we are to be a people of good news, we have to be anchored into the fact that God is good. That is our reference point when I start my day. That is my reference point when I put my head on my pillow at the end of the day. And here's the, here's the thought that really uh, is stunning to me. If God is good, then even on our worst day, there is still more good news than bad news. <laughs> okay, if it's true that God's glory fills the earth and it fills the heavens and the earth, if it's true that our almighty God is good, 
that on any given day, pick the worst day in human history, there's still more good news than bad news. That sounds a little crazy because that's not how your days feel. But I'm telling you, there has never been a day that was so bad that the scales of good news and bad news started weighing, weighing heavier on the bad news. And when we're like, oh, God, you need to do something good here because we don't have enough going on here. There's never been that day because God is good and his glory fills the whole earth. He is the substance of everything good and he has been given to us and he is alive and well and doing just fine. Okay? And yet, I, I think we got to understand that because some of us are just not quite sure, right? I, I would say if there's one day that might come close to not just being straight up bad news, it's in the Bible, the story of Noah, when God flooded the earth, right? Destroyed all of humanity. That feels like a pretty bad day. When God says, man, I, I'm really sorry I even made them. Like, that was a mistake, right? Let's just call a mulligan on that one. Let's just start over. This just didn't work out the first time. That seems like pretty bad news. I don't know why I'm laughing about that. But we read that the story of Noah, even in Noah, because of his righteousness and his right living, the purity of heart, the integrity of heart, his faithfulness to God, even on that day, God was able to look at Noah in the eyes and see you and I and see future generations because of his right standing with God. He's able to see right through his eyes and see every man and woman and child that would come for ages and ages and ages that God knew that through the righteousness of Noah, these people will know me and these people will love me and they'll know my love for them. That's good news. That You should be very grateful for Noah today, right? And so we're called to be a key people of good news. And I just really believe that kingdom living is the ability to recognize the good at all times. Now, Philippians 4, some of you are already there. This is what Paul's talking about, all right? He writes this letter to a church in Philippi, a city called Philippi. And he writes them, and he's talking to them about all kinds of things. But when we come in, he's talking about a specific scenario. So um, read with me. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and let the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So we read very quickly in this particular scenario that there's some conflict happening in the church, and it looks like there's some drama happening between uh, two women in the church. Now, the first thing to note is not much has changed in 2,000 years, right? But we see that something is happening. It's creating some division. There's a community of people that are trying to work something out. And so Paul has to write them a letter to say, 
figure it out, right? And they're obviously an anxious people. There's, there's things that they're worrying about. There's things welling up. And so Paul has to redirect the conversation. And he's giving them some helpful things to think about. What I like, first of all, is they're obviously in a conflicted situation. What I love about Paul is he doesn't tell, he doesn't say who's right. He just says, agree with each other. Be agreeable. Just agree. Just figure it out. I don't care who's right. Just figure it out, right? I love that about him. It doesn't matter who's right. Just figure it out. Be agreeable. And then he tells the people, he says, listen, I'm commanding you, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again in case you didn't hear me the first time. Rejoice, right? And like the Greek tense there, it's a, it's a present imperative, which it's not just like an opinion, like it's not just an inspirational poster. Like, hey, when you think about it, just rejoice. You know, he's like, no, listen to me. Rejoice. I'm telling you, listen to me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he just keeps going, and then he sums it all up and just kind of one of things he always does in his letters. This is kind of like a, it's almost like a Pauline repetition where he's trying to sum up everything he's saying, and he's, he's trying to find a ton of words to say the same thing over and over again, right? And, and so he's just finding all these synonyms for the word good. And so he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, lovely, beautiful, commendable, honorable, awesome, cool, Good. You know, I mean, he's just like, he's just, he's running out of vocabulary to describe it. He's like, anything that's just going great right now, right? Anything that is worth giving your attention to, I, I want to command you to, to invest your energies, invest your mind, invest your thinking, invest your emotions to what is going on that is good. I want you to pay attention to the activity of God in your midst. I want you to anchor yourself there. I want you to focus on that. Now, he didn't, say, uh, he didn't say just ignore all the stuff going on. But I think what Paul is saying here is when you anchor yourself and you, you change your focus, you change the way you think to, to recognizing the activity of God and the goodness of God in your midst, what it does is it, it provides a different reference point through which to work through the problems. When your reference point is the goodness of God, then bad news doesn't have the ability to cripple your heart anymore. And isn't that what happens? Isn't it funny when you just get caught up in conversations and you notice, wow, our hearts are kind of being crippled right now. I love what Oswald Chambers says. He said, he said, the root of all evil is the suspicion that God is not good. And it sounds so simple, and you've heard it all your life, but I'm just telling you this morning, he's still needing to convince some of us that he's a good God, and that today he's working at rebuilding and restoring, and he sees what's broken, and he sees what's falling apart, but he sees it with a different lens. And what Paul's talking about here is just so important for us as a people and what's interesting to note is Paul wrote them this letter from a specific location. Now, he did not write this letter from a Mediterranean beach sipping on some wine, all right? He wrote this letter from a Roman prison. That reframes things just a little bit. Imagine getting a letter from Paul, and you're just kind of in like a little fight, a little tiff with somebody, you know, in the community. Paul writes you from prison. Hey, just rejoice in God. You're doing fine. 
hey, you know what? Just think about what's good. Life is awesome. God is so good. That's just kind of absurd. It is kind of funny. And it's an invitation to change the way we think. Now, some of you know, a few weeks ago, uh, it's been an exciting uh, last month for my wife and I. Some of you heard the story in different venues, different places. We uh, just adopted our, our little son, Asher. He was born uh, almost a month ago, May 7th. And um, it's just been just an awesome, sleepless ride the last few weeks. Um, just just so much joy. Uh, a, a, Unfortunately, a couple days after he was born, he, he got a cold, basically. And the cold went down into his lungs and turned into a bronchiolitis. That's not good news when you're a newborn, right? And so on Mother's Day, we had to rush him to the ER. And uh, that, was, um, that was hard to do. We, we consulted some doctors, and they're like, you need to get him in. You've got a sick kid right there. And it was starting to, his heart rate was going up. And you ever see a newborn breathe that hard? That's not, that's not easy to watch. Some of you have experienced that before. And so we got him to the ER, and they, they just had to do a full workup on him. They saw him. They're like, he is, this is a sick kid. And they had to do spinal taps. They had to do blood work. They had to do all this stuff. And then about 3 in the morning, like we went into the ER around 11 at night. Around 3 in the morning, uh, we had to be transferred by ambulance to another hospital downtown. And we get into the, the new hospital, and then all the new doctors come into the room and giving their assessment. You've got a sick kid here. He's, he, this is a sick kid. You know, every nurse that changes shifts comes in here. They look at the chart. Yeah, he's he's pretty sick, you know. And, and then, so by the next morning, obviously we didn't sleep that night. By the next morning, um, we're just exhausted spiritually, physically, emotionally. We're like, dude, we're ready to be done with this. And uh, one of the other intensive care doctors came into the room, and and then again he kind of gave his his thing and visited with us, and he said, you know, he's a, he's, this is a very, very sick child. At that point, my wife, uh, she just broke down. Megan just started crying, and it was, it was hard because at that point in time, I'm, we're just thinking, if one more person walks in this room and tells us how sick our kid is, I'm going to punch them. There's going to be more than one person in this room needing help in about five minutes, right? This needs to stop, all right? And uh, it's just getting frustrated, and we're just tired, and and so the doctor leaves the room, and, and so it was just one of those vulnerable moments. We get taken to these moments of vulnerability. Um, and we find ourselves in these places from time to time. And so it's just Megan and I and Asher in the room, and I just picked him up. I was holding him, and I was thinking, um, God, I, I need your heart here. I need your perspective here. I need to know what you're doing. I need to know what's going on. We're praying for healing. We're praying that God just opens up his lungs. And, you know, and I start singing that song. There's a song we sing here often called Abba, right? It's about the Father heart of God. And, and there's certain times when you sing a song and it just means more, right? You know, sometimes you just sing and there's just that one line of the song that pops out and you actually like literally mean it. Um, I mean, not that we don't mean the songs we sing. You know what I'm talking about, though. There's just like, it's just like, oh, wow. Yes, Um so I'm starting to sing this song. God, you're more real than the ground I'm standing on. In the second line, you're more real than the wind in my lungs. And I sung that line. I was thinking, oh man, I don't, I don't know if I believe this. 
Do I believe this, God? God, right now, I need you to be more real than the wind in his lungs. Because from what I can tell, there's not a whole lot of wind in his lungs. And what I'm asking you to do, supernaturally, God, would you visit us? Would you meet him? Would you heal his body? And then I just, I was just holding him, and I was like, all right, Jesus, I need your perspective here. If you walked into the room right now, what would you say? And, and so I'm just sitting there, and after, um, you know, a whole day of every 30 minutes, a doctor walking in the room with bad news, just had the sense of Jesus coming in the room and just seeing Asher and just this smile coming over his face. And he saw them and said, yep, that's my boy. This is exactly what I created him to do. He's going to pull through. He's going to get his breath back because I designed him to be an overcomer. This is exactly how I made him to be. He's doing exactly what I sent him here to do. He's overcoming. And there's something, there something in that moment as it's like the, the happiness and the joy of Jesus in that moment that he wasn't very concerned. I mean, he was just kind of showing this to my heart, right? And it's just this sense, this impression, this is what he was speaking, this is what he was showing me. Um, but this the whole idea that when Jesus walks into the room, he doesn't seem to be concerned with the same things that we're concerned with. Bad news doesn't affect him quite in the same way. Like when you read through the scriptures, you notice that? Like somebody tracks down Jesus and and uh, says, hey, Jesus, I need you, you know, my, my daughter has died. You know, would you come pray for her? And he finally makes his way over to the village and to the house and he goes in. What does he say? Oh, she's just sleeping. She's she, all right. Hey, get up, you know? I mean, it almost seems insensitive, right? Like you wouldn't try that out at a funeral home or something like that, right? Oh, she's just sleeping. Get up, wake up. Go, you know, that, that wouldn't happen, right? But, you know, he's on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes through, blows through, and the disciples are freaking out, right? They're just like, this is, this is bad, bad news, right? So they have to go wake up Jesus because he's napping, right? <laughs> so they wake him up. The first thing Jesus, like, hey, I, is, is it that important? I'm napping right now, right? And uh, they're like, what are you doing? He's like, it's all right. Peace. Be still. He commands the winds and the waves, right? And there's something about Jesus that he doesn't seem to walk into the room and to be sucked into the same things that everybody else is sucked into. Now, we love Jesus because he empathizes with our humanity and our humanness. Jesus was fully human. And I, I love that when he, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was moved. It said he was moved in compassion. He was even moved to tears because his, his heart was with the people he loved. And he raised Lazarus up. But Jesus seemed to just have a different filter through which he was experiencing these things. And again, I think the invitation for us today as a people of good news, it's a, it's a way of living that Jesus is inviting us into. Listen to me. It's not just an ignoring of what's going on that's bad. It's not just isolating ourselves, just sticking our head in the sand and just like, you know, pretending like we're not seeing something that's happening in our families or our workplaces or around the world. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, um, uh, again, if our foundation is the goodness of God, if that is our reference point for living, then that frees us 
from the fear and the anxiety and the worry that cripples the way of this world. Romans 12, Paul says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like, don't do what everyone else is doing. Just change the way you think. Think from heaven's perspective. You don't need to be a jerk or insensitive, but you just got to remind yourself and refresh yourself of, of every possibility. We are designed in Christ the gift of Christ, the gift of life, that he is in himself good news, that he came to us and, 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 and gave his life for us so our sins could be taken, so we could be in right standing with God and be in perfect union with God. That is the gospel message. If that is inside of us, then he has designed us to every day be able to wake up with, man, I, I, not with, I wonder what's going to go wrong today. He designed us to wake up with, I wonder what's going to go right today. What is Father going to restore today? What is Jesus in the process of rebuilding today? What are all the good things in store for people in my life for for today on this planet in this moment right now? That is a change in perspective. And that that takes discipline. That takes cooperation with letting him work that in us. It takes letting him pull us out of the way of this world. You guys, are you guys tracking with me on that? Um, I think this is really hard for us to get. It's really hard for us to see good news the closer we are to the situation, specifically with the people we love, our families, spouses, communities, workplaces, churches. It's hard for us to recognize the good news when we're really close to the situation. An example I give is uh, about a year and a half ago, Jason and I had a lunch a meeting with some other friends, other local church pastors. And uh, we're just asking them what the Lord is doing in their church. I mean, it was just simple conversation. Hey, what's going on over there? And how can we support you? And what we didn't know is like the next hour and a half would just be uh, them venting about everything broken and busted up and everything going wrong in the church. And it's like, you know, about 20 minutes in, like, oh, you know, it's okay. You know, we all go through these things. You know, we're trying to be really encouraging and and, you know, it's, you know, it's all right. You know, they're like, no, no, our leaders are just terrible. You know, our senior pastor is just this and that. And they're just railing on their leaders and their elders and the people in charge. And, and uh, just, they're just going down the list of everything that's not working. And, you know, about every 20 minutes we, we could interject. We're just trying to shift the conversation a little. Like, all right, let's just re- redirect this just a hair, right? Like, yeah, you guys are awesome. And what we're trying to do is speak life. We're like, hey, listen, guys, you guys need to understand, your church has been a staple in our community in this front range for like for decades. Like, people have find so much life and so much grace. I mean, we're just so thankful to be laboring in Christ with you in this land, in this region. What you guys are, are doing, we just... We love you guys, and your, your, your pastor, like, yeah, you know, maybe he has different than ideas than you. We get that, right? But listen, he, what he has stood for and the ground that he has plowed, man, we are just so thankful for him, you know. And So we'd kind of try to interject that, and then it would kind of go back, ah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just all these things, he won't listen, and all these. And it was just a picture to us, like, when you're really close to a situation, sometimes it's hard to recognize what's, what's going on and the good news. And and you see that, I think that the other closest scenario you see that is probably in marriage and in your family, right? For some of you, the most frustrating person you know is your spouse. <laughs> You're laughing at me like, you don't know what I'm talking about. Because the people, okay, I, I feel sorry for my wife sometimes, and here's why. 
She has a lifetime pass, front row tickets to me. You know? And you're thinking, oh, that can't be so bad. Just, what, preaching sermons all day? Or what do you do? You know? But, I mean, tomorrow, if you got to spend as much time with me as she did, you would, you know, I mean, so what I'm saying is, some of you came to church today, and you, you, got, you got into the little thing on the way to church. I, I told you we should have left five minutes earlier. I mean, you, I mean, you had that conversation before you got here today. Sometimes the closest person, people to you are the hardest ones you have identifying the goodness in, right? I don't know why that is, but the invitation in Scripture, the invitation for all of us, is to be reminded of what was it that brought you in in the first place? What was it that led you to say, I do? What was it that you first said, I will covenant myself to this person? I will love them my whole life, right? And it's a re-changing things. Now, is that going to, if we just focus on the good news, is it going to change the fact that certain things are broken or not working in our lives or our families or whatever? No, not necessarily. But what I'm saying is it, it, it changes the filter through which we see them. So it doesn't have the same effect on us. We're not taken down by it. We're there being filled up with the goodness of God to give that out to every situation that we're in. And uh, I, th- I think we see this all the time, especially in marriage. And it's something that the Lord is saying to us today. Change the way you think. Change the subject. And focus on what I'm doing. All right? Part of doing this is just what I said. Learning how to get really good at changing the subject. When you get in conversations, and they're just not going anywhere. Like, it's, getting, it's going south, and it's getting deeper, right? Uh, it's just, it's not looking good. Talking about whatever. They get really good at changing the subject. I'm not saying ignoring conflict. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what I love about this passage in Isaiah 52, when it says, how beautiful... Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. I love that the scripture uses the word publishes. Every day we wake up, and every major newspaper, every media outlet has their headline for the day. And all that is, is they're trying to make it simple for you. Here's what matters for today. Let me just sum it all up. You're going to read a lot of things today, but we're just going to tell you what really matters today. Here's the headline for the day, right? It's usually it's not something so great. All right? And they're trying to give their opinion on the most important thing that matters on this day of earth and this point in time for you. All right? That doesn't take a genius to do. All, right? all of us are doing the same thing. We're all publishing our own headlines. You may have not thought about it like that, but when you talk, when you live, when you walk into a room, you're publishing a headline. And you're telling people what your take on the most important thing of the day is. And what I'm telling you today is in a world that everyone's offering their own headlines for the day, the reality of the fact is in the kingdom of God, nobody gets to write the headlines except for Jesus, all right? And I'm telling you what, his headlines are much different than our headlines, all right? What does the scripture end with? (laughs) A beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happy, who, uh, of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, what's the headline? Your God reigns, 
All right? If you want to know what the headline for today, for June 2nd, 2013, it's this. We have a good God. He is a God of love. And our God reigns. So listen to me. You can't let people hijack your headlines. You got to stop that. You have to think differently. You got to be smarter than that. You are smarter than that. I know it. Because Jesus is inside of you. Just don't go with the flow. Sometimes you have to step back and say, I am tethered and anchored into a different publishing company here. (laughs) My source is much different than the world's source. There's something else going on here, and we know how the book ends. We know that Jesus is working to restore all things. He's making all things new. He's making things new in your life, the brokenness in your life, in your body, in your marriage, in your family. He's publishing new news. He's bringing peace. He's bringing his rule and his reign. He's inviting you to understand and to to be permeated in his goodness. I love the song we sang earlier. I'm not sad anymore because my eyes are on you. So, as people of good news, we get really good changing the subject. We get really good at reverse gossiping. Did that go over your heads? So, you guys know gossip. Reverse gossiping is when the person leaves the room and then you start talking about how awesome they are. And you start publishing good news about them. Somebody nod at me and smile, right? Did you hear me? We are people that should be known for reverse gossiping. And some of you, I think the last invitation here today is, sometimes when it comes to good news, we're waiting for things to happen out there. We're waiting for something external to happen, to be able to say, oh, I guess that was good, right? And, you know, we're just waiting for things to happen. If we're people of good news, then we don't have to wait for good news to happen. We get to let good news well up inside of us and make good news. We get to give clean water to a village in Rwanda. We get to set up a tent in Boulder and pray for some folk, right? We get to pray for healing and heal each other up. We get to speak words of encouragement, words of life. We get to give to the poor, get to give our lives away. We get to make good news. You don't need to wait for good news to come your way. You have good news inside of you. Come on! That was worth it right there. So I'm just going to pray. Let's stand together. (laughs) All right. If you're comfortable, but just put your hand on the person you're sitting next to you on their shoulder. You don't have to if you don't want to. That's fine. It's kind of a family thing. We like family around here. Here's what we're going to do. If you're a praying kind of person, you can pray. All right? And I just invite you to pray out. If you're not, you can just receive prayer. What we're going to do is we're just going to ask God to send us out of here as a people of good news, just loaded up with his goodness, totally aware of everything he's doing, his activity on this earth. We're going to ask him to fill us with joy and fill us with restoration to send out to a broken world that we are a people to bring good news. So just join with me and start praying for the person. God, we thank you for every person in this room here today. We thank you for what's available in Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you loved us before we loved you, that you didn't 
wait for us to get things right before you came to us. But God, you came and you loved us that you are the embodiment of good news. And I thank you that you're using your church, this community of people, you're sending us out in full force to bring your joy, to bring your life, to refresh the bones of every person that we're in contact with. God, that every room we walk into is a breath of fresh air because we have nothing but goodness leaking and spilling outside of us. God, I pray that you send us out here with a smile on our face, God. Gone are the days of bummed out Christians. God, thank you for joy. Thank you for laughter. Thank you that you're helping us change the way we think. Thank you, Holy Spirit, to guide us in the way we talk, in the way we live, and what our lives proclaim. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Luke. Good word.